Give Jesus some praise this morning. Come on. Has he been good to you this week? I'm glad he's been good for 10 of you. Uh, do me a favor, find your neighbor, give him a fist bump, pat on the back, kiss on the cheek if it's appropriate. Then find your seats. We're going to turn on some lights to help you to find your seats. How you guys doing this morning? Good? I tell you what, it is good to see a full house. Come on, somebody. I tell you. Well, thank you so much for being here. My name is Adam Harold, and my incredible wife, Tanya, and I have the privilege of leading this incredible church called The Refuge. Uh, together, we do it as a team. I couldn't do it without her. And uh, I always say that she couldn't do it without me on most days. Uh, but uh, she, you know, we, we need each other. And, and we're just so thrilled that God has allowed us to be able to, uh, to lead this wonderful community and have an impact on the community of Wyndham. We hope and pray that we have a, an impact on our community. And the only way that we can have an impact on our community is because of God first and you second. I think that that's one reason why Jesus tells us to, to love God first and to love people second, because we need them both. Look at your neighbor and say, I need you. I need you. We need each other. We need God first. That's why we just sang about it, but we need each other. I've got just a few housekeeping things that we like to go over every Sunday. If you're new here, you've never been here before, uh, there's a card in front of you. Um, in the chair in front of you. Uh, just do me a favor, fill that out. Uh, drop it in the black box on your way out. There's a, through those doors, there's a black box. Um, you can drop it in there. And I'm just going to send you a card this week to say thank you so much for being here. Uh, one of the most generous things that you can share in life is time. Uh, we, we don't get any more of it. In, in fact, it's, it's the only, only thing that we need that we can't get more of. We need money, we can get more money, but you can't get more time. And so you've given us your time this morning and I just wanna say thank you so much for being here. And I wanna send you a card in the mail to say thank you uh, for, for being here. Along those lines, immediately following the service, uh, there in, and through that exit door to your right, there's uh, this room that we call the lounge. And in the lounge, um, after service, we've got seven-minute head start. It takes seven minutes of your time because, again, you've already given us um, an hour to an hour and 15 minutes of your time. We don't want to take any more of it. So seven minutes is all it takes. And it is the story of how you can get to know more about the Refuge Church. If you're here and you're sitting there and you're going, man, I'd like to know more about that church, then that is for you. It only takes seven minutes of your time. It's after every single service that we have. And um, it's an incredible time. We have an incredible team of people that we call the Dream Team. Could you do me a favor? Could you give them a round of applause this morning? Yeah. The only way, the only way that we can do what we do is because people say, I want to serve. I want to serve God. I want to, to be used by God. And, and the only way that these lights are on is because they've, well, they've turned them on. So... <laughs> Thank you so much uh, for, for uh, the team. Thank you guys from the bottom of my heart. I hope that you always feel loved and appreciated uh, from, from me. Uh, but along those lines, we can't, again, we need people. We all need people. We need God first. We need people second. And we can't do what we do without generous people, without people that, that give um, a part of their income uh, we believe in, in, we believe that God encourages us to give a certain amount. In fact, the New Testament says to decide in your heart how much to give. And so we, we, we teach that as followers of Jesus, you should, you should decide in your heart how much to give back to him. And, uh, and if you want to give this morning, you can do that in three ways. Um, you can drop it in the black box, the same black box that you can drop those decision cards, those connection cards in. 
Um, or you can text 77296 if you text WHM, which is the code for Wyndham, and uh, then text WHM and then an amount, and they'll send you a prompt and all that stuff. Or you can go to refugemain.church slash give, and you can give there. We can't, we can't do it without, without you. And uh, again, thank you from the bottom of my heart for all that you've given. You know, I've got a, a, a good friend of mine that's a pastor that's given his heart, and I just want to share this with you, that's given his life. Uh, he planted a church in, in, uh, in uh, Framingham, Massachusetts. I had to think of where it was for a second. Um, and they've been there for the last five years, and uh, God has recently called him to another church in Houston, Texas. And I, I just, I think about it, and I'm like, man, God, whatever you ask me to do, the answer is always yes. But if it's ever to leave the Refuge Church, we're going to have to have a conversation. <laughs> but the answer is yes. And my friend Brian is leaving a church that he founded. And Brian has poured into me over the last six, seven, eight weeks um, about discipleship. We've, ha we've begun this really good friendship and, and really good journey. But it, what he's doing in my life is going to affect you. I'm just telling you that right now. And, and because what he's doing in my life is going to affect you and he's poured into to, to me, we felt as a church that we needed to support him. And so we were able to write him a, a, a check. I wish it was for more, but we were able to give to him and his family to help him get to Houston. And he looked at me and he said, you don't understand the blessing that you just handed me. And that's why we do what we do, to help bless people when they need it the most. And if there's anyone here in this room ever it's the same every single Sunday. It's not about us, and it's not about us receiving. It's about us giving. And so if you're here and you ever have a need, come and see me. Come and see someone on our team, on our dream team, and let's talk about what you need. And, and let me tell you, the answer is not always money. You might, you might think you need money, but the answer is not always, always money. Sometimes the answer is budget, right? And so we're going to help you find what you need to help you. We always, we always promise that. So if you have a need, at the end of our service, we'll have our prayer team available. Come and pray with them as every Sunday. And I am just so honored that you guys would look at me talking on this microphone this morning with open ears and hopefully open hearts. So let's go to God in prayer. Father, we thank you for all that you do. Father, we, we don't deserve you, but you freely give to us. Father, I pray this morning that there's anyone here today that is struggling with who they, they should be. Father, if they're struggling with who you desire them to be, God, I just pray that that you would speak to their hearts, that you would show them who you want them to be, not who they want to be, but who you want them to be. Father, we give you this time. We thank you for every person that gives to your church today. We pray that you would take it and that you would use it to impact this world for your kingdom, not for our empire, but for your kingdom. God, that we would build your church, your house. So in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you came this morning. I'm glad you came this morning. Hey, listen, we're a church that likes to talk. So we like to talk. We like to clap. We like to laugh. We like to cry. And you're going to do all of those today. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. I just want to say... I just want to say God is doing something here. And thank God it has nothing to do with me.
It's all him. And so every week we come in and God shows up and does great things. And I mean, it's July in Maine and look at this place. It is full of people that are excited to be here. It's going to be a beautiful day, but you guys are going to enjoy that after you get to spend time with Jesus and each other. And that's what it's about. It's not about me. It's not about, it's not about us. It's about, about him. And so as I reflect, I, every time I come in here, I hope that I, I, I do what I hope you do. I reflect. I look at myself. I open my heart first. And every time I come, come in this place, I, I look at what God is doing in me first, in my heart. And I, and I ask, I mean, I've, I've studied and I've prepared all week, but I guarantee you that God's going to say something to me today as I speak his word and as I deliver what I've studied. He's going to speak to me just as much as he speaks to you because I'm going to allow him to do that. The invitation for you today is that you would do the same. I guarantee you that if you do the same, that you'll enjoy the results. You might not like where it takes you first, but eventually you're going to enjoy the results. It's kind of like going to the gym, right? How, like, like, can we just talk real quick about the comparisons from church to the gym? There's a lot of comparisons. The heaviest door is the, the, the heaviest weight is the door, right? We all know that. We don't necessarily like the process, but we like the destination. The journey is, is usually tough, but it's always worth it. Last week, I began a I began a series, I'm just processing everything I just said, by the way. That's why it's taking me so long to, to, to get it out. I'll get it out, I promise. There might be some tears along the way, but I'll get it out. Last week, we started a series called church, that I'm calling Church Hurt. And one of the things that I've, I've realized, and, and, and one thing that, that's really amazing for me is when, as a communicator of God's word, when God kind of confirms that the, the message that it really was from him, right? Like, God, is this, is this really from you? And over the last week, last couple of weeks, I, I just, I've looked at the world and I, and I see a lot of hurt people. And, and here's what I, I realized, and I said it last week, I'll say it again, Hurt is hurt. It doesn't matter who causes it. So we're talking about the context of, of, of church hurt and church pain. However, this applies to all pain, all emotional pain. How many of you got some, emo you don't have to raise your hand. <laughs> How many of you got some emotional pain this morning? We all do. We all do. And so what we're talking about is we're talking about it in the context of the church. I realize that there are some of you here that, praise God, you haven't been hurt by church. You're in the minority, I think. <laughs> praise God you haven't been hurt by the church, but you've been hurt by someone. And everything that we talk about today will apply to the, the emotional pain that we experience. And so last week I laid it all out for you. It's a four-week series. Um, God is continuously revealing to me where we're going in the series, but I know I've got, I've got a good hunch of where we're headed. And uh, week one, we, we're, we, last week, we talked about identifying church pain. And um, along the way, let me just say that there will be some foundational truths in each message um, that you will need to know in order to understand where we're going in that day. And so when that happens, I will do my very best to communicate the foundational truth that we did before, the, the week before, 
But let me encourage you, and this isn't just a ploy to get you to get online and to listen to our messages, but let me encourage you so that you don't rely on my review, right? That you get online and you listen to the messages and you listen to what you need to know so that you can be with us the entire series because I believe God's going to free some people in this, in this series of, of pain that maybe you didn't even know you had. How many of you understand and know that last week we talked about how it's so easy for a child to identify pain in their life, but for an adult along the way, we get hurt and we just bury it and bury it and bury it until it finally comes to the surface. And so if you can identify pain that you didn't realize you had along the way, then that is so liberating. So we want to liberate some people today, like that Jesus frees us. Not, not me, not, not my words, but his word. We're going to look at the Bible today. I'm excited about the story that God's given me for today's message. It's found in Luke chapter 24. You can turn there, but you're not, we're not going to get in there yet because I'm just on week two. I mean, I'm just on week one. Week one, we talked about identifying church pain. Today, we're going to talk about the response. How do we respond when the church hurts us? We're going to talk about how we respond. Um, and then next week, we're going to talk about the purpose of it. Why does it all happen? Why does, why does God allow church pain to take place? And then uh, week four, I am super excited about because that's the same day that we're doing baptisms. And this Sunday, this, this, in, in my study this week, God kind of said, hey, Adam, I want you to, and when, when I say God said to me, I didn't hear an audible voice. It kind of sounds weird, but that's just the way I communicate it. I felt in my spirit that it was, that, that at the end of this, this series, that a very healing thing would be for us to observe the Lord's Supper together. And so on July 24th, which is in two weeks, which, by the way, if you've never been water baptized and you're interested in getting water baptized, on your way out, there's a poster that says baptisms. There's a picture of someone getting baptized. And there's a, um, there's a, a QR code. If you just take your camera out on your phone and, and scan it, you don't have to take a picture, just scan it, and then go to the website that pops up on your phone, uh, you can sign up for baptisms on July the 24th right there. So um, July 24th is going to be the last day, and we're going to talk about um, that week. We're going to talk about a protection plan for the future. Like how do we protect ourselves from, from getting hurt in the future from, from the church? Because let me tell you, you don't, there's no such thing as a perfect church. If you came in this morning, you're looking for a perfect church, I want you to know you're going to continue to look. We won't see you next week. We're not perfect, but hopefully we're healed. You see, when, when people that are healed from their church pain, from the things of their past, when they come together, God moves mountains. And so we don't necessarily want to ever come across I say necessarily. We don't ever want to come across as a church that has it all together. We don't. But we want to come across as being healed by the blood of Jesus. And we want to come across as a church that is healed by the blood of Jesus so that you know that you can come to the blood of Jesus and be healed as well. That's the purpose of the church. And so we're going to talk about a protection plan for our pain. Our our key passage is found in Hebrews chapter 12. By the way, um, I've already listed Luke chapter 24, or I've mentioned it. You can follow along with all of today's notes. Actually, you can't today. I actually forgot to put it there. So you guys have already looked, and you're like, you were slacking this week. Holy smokes. You know what? You're going to have to go old school. Get out the notepad. Get out the notepad and write it down and pay attention, all right? I apologize for that. You know, I'm not going to get into my week, but uh, it, was, it, was, it was obviously busy. Uh, Luke, uh, Hebrews chapter 24, verse 14 and 15. This is the, by the way, let me just say that uh, you just experienced the, the value of going to the first service. 
I won't say that in the second service. So Luke 20, uh, 12, 14 through 15 says this. It says, work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Ouch. Now I realize real quick, I'm, I'm going to stop right there. Because the concept of holiness, and this is something that God's teaching me. But we, we, we look at holiness and we hear behavior. We hear that holiness is a behavior. It's not. Holiness is an identity. An identity that's only found. It's only found in Jesus. Because he lived a perfect, sinless, holy life. And then he died a perfect death so that we accept his, the blood of Jesus that he's shed on the cross for us. And then we identify as holy. But until we receive him, we do not. And that's why he says that those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Because those who don't identify with Jesus don't see the Lord. Our, one of our, our, our mission at the Refuge Church is to show people that when they make Jesus their refuge, also known as when they find their identity in Jesus, they never have to be overwhelmed by the storms of this life. Keep reading. Verse 15. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out. That no poisonous root of bitterness grows up and troubles you, corrupting many. What happens is when we get hurt by the church especially, bitterness grows up inside of us. And as bitterness grows up inside of us, the Bible calls it poisonous. And it's poisonous because what does it do? It corrupts many. And so we want... We want to have a church, again, that is healed so that there's no bitterness inside of us. We want to be people that are healed so that there's no bitterness inside of us. I hope that you don't get bitter that I didn't put the notes on you version today. <laughs> what does it say that we have to, re that, 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 that requires work? It, living at peace requires work. Living holy requires work. You know what, again, we look at holiness as performance. We look at holiness as doing an action. But if living holy requires work and holiness is my identity in Jesus, then guess what it is that requires work? Finding my identity in Jesus. So I have to get rid of my old self and fully understand who Jesus is according to the word of God, not according to this idea of Jesus in my mind. As I look at the world and I see bitter people, I see hurt people, and the reason people are hurt is because hurt people hurt people, and hurt people get bitter. And what happens is they allow bitterness to grow up inside of them, and then it corrupts many people, and that's why there are so many bitter people in the world today. But again, this message will free you if you allow it. Because holiness is our identity. Our identity isn't what we do. It's not the performance, but it's identifying with Jesus. However, that requires work. Because I have to completely get rid of Adam Harold. And I got some ideas. I've got some opinions. I got some feelings, and I have to get rid of all of that stuff in order to identify with who Jesus really is. You know, thank God his word is filled with people that have been hurt. It is. And we're going to look at a story today. Again, I already told you, it's found in Luke chapter 24. Um, and, uh, and, but I, I'm going to review some things along the way. Uh, that are foundational, some foundational truths. Last week, the big idea, 
And, and just so you know, one of the foundational truths of every sermon will be the big idea from the previous week. So the big idea for last week was this. It was that the most common cause of church hurt is a misplaced identity. The most common cause of church hurt is a misplaced identity. One of the things that I said last week was it wasn't, it's not just a misplaced identity on the people in the pews, but it's also a misplaced identity with the guy on the platform, it's, it, which represents the church, right? The leaders represent the church a lot of times. That's, that's inaccurate. I hope when people think of the refuge church, they don't think of Adam Harold. They think of the people that inhabit the refuge church that are filled with the Holy Spirit, that are used by the Holy Spirit to impact this world for Jesus. It ain't about me. Don't ever think it's about me. And so what happens is there's a misplaced identity on behalf of the church and the people. I went on to say that there are three lanes in the Christian life. Three lanes of the Christian life. When I was meeting with, with Brian this week, he, one of the things that he, he said was he's, um, that he's identified these as, as a pattern that God has in God's kingdom. And the pattern is this, lane one is identity in Jesus. Identity in Christ, right? So that's foundational. If that's off, everything else is off. And that's, that's foundational for this week's message. We're gonna get to that in a second. But the second lane is of, after identity is instruction. So we look at God's word, as instruction, the commands of God. And so, so identity is Christ, instruction is commands, and lane three is inheritance. Inheritance is found in the community. So identity, Christ, uh, in, instructions, command, inheritance, community. So what happens, like how do we get an inheritance? Well, or, or how do we, how do we grow? How does a community grow? A community grows by invitation. Hey man, you want to come to my church? Right? We, this, this is, uh, this is something God's been convicting me out of, about. Um, we, we often say, do you want to come to my church? And we invite people into our community, into inviting people to church. I don't, I don't think Jesus wants us to invite people to church anymore. Whoa, did the pastor just say that? I did. I don't think, in fact, let me just say this. Stop inviting people to church. Start inviting them to a relationship with the one that can change them. The community grows as the community identifies with Christ, not with the church. You know what? This might slam the brakes on church growth here. I'm okay with it. Because it's always about being healthy and being healed. And the only way we can be healed is if we stop identifying with our inheritance and identify with Jesus. The church for far too long has taught identity in, the, in, in church. It's off. I have taught things that would lead you to believe that the identity is in the church. It's not. We're, we're getting our identity back. And it's in Jesus, not in me. Identity is found in, foundational to the Christian life. Galatians chapter 2 teaches that we're crucified with Christ. Crucifixion was a brutal death. I'm crucified with Christ. I suffer a brutal death with Jesus. It is I who no longer lives, but it is Christ who lives inside of me. That's Galatians 2.20. We have to learn to be, be crucified with Christ and alive through him. 
followers of Jesus, identify with Jesus. And that brings me to today's big idea. Number one, big idea number one. I've got two big ideas today. That means you can't go to sleep if you want big idea number two. <laughs> misplaced identity leads to misplaced instructions. Misplaced instructions lead to, leads to bitterness. Let me say it again. Misplaced identity leads to misplaced instructions. Misplaced instructions lead to bitterness. Let me explain. When you don't understand who God wants you to be, you don't understand what God wants you to do. Any parents in the house? Anybody raise some kids? You have people yet, right? There's a... Parents will tell their kids to do things because they want their kids to be responsible human beings. They want their kids to learn, to grow, to be social, to contribute to society. We tell, kid, we tell our kids to do things, but how often do we do that without showing them the love that we really should as parents? And then what happens? They get bitter towards mom and dad because they don't understand that the reason you want them to clean their room isn't so they have a clean room, but be, so that you, they become a clean human. <laughs> so they contribute, so that they grow, so they learn. And we do the exact same thing our kids do with us, with God. We don't understand the instruction because we don't understand who God wants us to be. So we're going to look at a story this morning in Luke chapter 24 about two people that I believe are hurt even by the church, that are hurt by the church. And we are going to look at, um, at God's or at Jesus' response to them. So Luke chapter 24, it begins. So, so chapter 24 is the last chapter of the book of Luke, which tells you, if you know anything about the Bible, you know that the last chapter of the Gospels includes a story that we call the resurrection, meaning that Jesus died and went to the grave. He came back to conquer death by overcoming death and coming back out of the tomb. If you went to CCD, you understand that, right? If you went to confirmation, any, any, any former Catholics in the house? So I'm not former Catholic. I just raised my hand because I wanted to, you to feel good. <laughs> so Luke 24 is, is the story of the resurrection. What happens at the beginning of Luke chapter 24 is three women who were followers of Jesus go to the tomb and what do they discover? The body is gone. Now, I think we often tell that story that they went back celebrating. I don't know if they celebrated. They went back, and I think there was probably a little bit of worry in their voice. Uh, friends, guess what? The body was gone. It's not there. And in Luke chapter 24, verse 13 is the start of a story called that we, we've come to call the road to Emmaus. And it's, it's a story of, of two people that are on their way to Emmaus away from Jerusalem. We're going to get there. I'm about to get ahead of myself, so we better start reading. In, chapter, or in Luke 24, 13, it says the same day, two of Jesus' followers. How many people are there? Two, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. Now, we're going to read all the way up to verse 29. So to make it a little bit more palatable, I'm going to stop along the way. And this is, this is going to be the, the rest of the message. We're going to walk through this text together. And so notice that there are two people leaving where? Where are they leaving? They're leaving Jerusalem. Now, 
Jerusalem is significant because Jerusalem, guess what was located in Jerusalem? The temple or the church. So when Jesus comes back in the book of Revelation, he comes back and he's bringing with him a new Jerusalem. Hallelujah. When, like, can we just stop and think about that for a minute? Jesus is bringing a new church with him. And it's a church that's not filled with pedophiles. Can I say that? It's not filled with, with people that are, that are sinful. It's filled with people that love Jesus and are complete and made whole. People that identify with Jesus fully and we understand it. He's bringing a new Jerusalem. But these people, these two people that were followers of Jesus. In fact, so we often think that there are, there are we often say that there were how many disciples? Twelve disciples. The, the fact is, is that Luke chapter 10 mentions 70 disciples. 70 people that followed Jesus. You can go back and read it later this week. And so, so these two people aren't part of the twelve. These two people are part of the 70. They're part of the large group that are following Jesus. Are you with me? And so they're following Jesus, and they're going, where are they going? They're going to Emmaus, and there's not much significant about Emmaus. The word is translated to be hot springs, so maybe there were some hot springs in the town of Emmaus. Later on in the story, it says that they were from Emmaus, so they were going back home. What did Jesus tell his disciples when they came to follow him? You must leave where? You must leave your father and mother, and you must follow me, leave home. Well, guess where they were going? They were going back home. Well, I guess I'll just take my ball and go home. That's, that's how they were feeling. Now, notice, Emmaus is seven miles from Jerusalem. You know, the number seven in the word of God is significant. It often, it often, uh, represents completion. The, the, God created the heavens and the earth in how many days? Seven, uh, six, and he rested on the seventh, right? But it was seven days. Seven days always usually represents completion. Does, this, does seven miles represent anything in this story? Guess what? I don't know. I don't know if it represents anything. But I know that Jesus also told his disciples, that you must forgive how many times? Seven times 70. And anytime the number seven appears in the word of God, we better pay attention. So I've got, God, you've got, you've got my attention. What do you want to teach me? I want to give you five things about our response to church hurt. Some of them are things that we often respond, but some of them are also things that we should respond Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write it down. Our first response to hurt is to leave. When pain enters your life, the natural response is to get out of Dodge, to leave. If you have ever left a place or a person, because of pain, I want you to know that God's word says that that's natural. God's word says that that's normal. You're, you're normal. Some of you, you know, you, you, you feel weird or you feel whatever. I want you to know it's normal to leave when there's pain. It's our normal reaction. Keep reading in verse 14. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that, they had, hap that had happened. So the two friends are walking along the road to Emmaus. And as they talked and discussed things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. Just stop there. He began walking with them. If you want to be a friend, 
and you have a friend that's in pain this morning, don't have all the answers. Just start walking with them. Just be there for them. Open your ears and walk along the road. Verse 16, rocked my world, but God kept them from recognizing him. Who kept the two followers of Jesus from recognizing Jesus? It was God. Now, why in the world would the Bible include a sentence like that? And why would God do such a thing? Why would a loving God keep people from recognizing his son that loved them so much that he died on the cross for their sins so that when people receive him that they can be whole and they can be healed? Why would God keep them from seeing him? If you want to know the answer to that question, come back next week. I got worked up and everything. I teed that one up. You're going to have to come back next week to find the answer to that one. But if you cannot wait, continue reading in Luke 24, all the way to verse 34, I think it is. Read the rest of the chapter and allow God, this is going to be a little bit of a hint, allow God to reveal it to you. All right? Just keep reading it and allow, allow him to reveal it to you in your spirit. Verse 17, he, Jesus, asked them, what are you discussing so intently? So he starts walking with him, and then he starts asking him questions. What are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short. Sadness came across their faces, was written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about the things, all the things that have happened there the last few days. Now, wait a second. How many people are on the road to Damascus? How many people were there? Two. How many people are named? One. His name is Cleopas. Remember what I say about the times in Scripture where there is an unnamed person. Anytime, I believe, anytime there is an unnamed person, the woman at the well, the, the good Samaritan, anytime that there are people that do not have specific names are open so that we can insert our names into the story. Cleopas and Adam were walking away from Jerusalem because they had been hurt by Jerusalem. They were going home. Keep reading. You must be the only person in Jerusalem. Sorry, I already read this. I'm going to read it again. You must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard all the things that have happened there the last few days. Verse 19, what things Jesus asked. <laughs> How many times does God know the answer in our lives? And he says, what are you talking about? Jesus asked, the things that happened to Jesus. Now pay attention. The man from Nazareth. They said, and they also said he was a prophet who did powerful miracles. And he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. Whoa, wait a second. He was a, the man from Nazareth, the, the prophet and the mighty teacher of God. Was that the guy that you left everything at home to go follow because you thought that he might be the Messiah? Was, was that the guy? Was was he the son of God that he said he was? Or was he just a prophet that you're saying he is now? The response to this story that, that Cleopas says reveals a pain that's in his heart that we often miss. Because we know the rest of the story. We know that Jesus came out of the grave to save us, to, to conquer death. Death has no victory over us anymore. But at this moment... 
Cleopas is hurt because Jesus' body isn't in the tomb. Jesus had already told him, I'll be in the grave for three days. That's it. He had already told him. But he couldn't see. God hadn't showed him yet. So he calls him a prophet. Brings me to number two, response to pain. Oftentimes, our response to church hurt is to call Jesus something he's not. What happens is we get, we get bitter, we get hurt by the church, and we become bitter, and then we start to label Jesus something that he's not. We start to call God something that he's not. We start to believe. I said last week that the problem with church hurt is church hurt leads to church hate, and church hate leads to God hate. And what happens here is Cleopas calls Jesus something that he's not. He's not a prophet. He's a savior and he's a king. Verse 20. But our leading priest, <laughs> but our leading priest and other religious leaders handed him over to, the, the, to be condemned to death. And they crucified him. Who did these, who, who did Cleopas blame for the pain? He didn't, he, he didn't blame Jesus. He blamed the leaders in the church. He said the leading priest. And can I just point out, this was rightful. This was, this was accurate. The leading priests did do the things that they said. And sometimes we blame church leaders rightfully. Because you know why? Church leaders are human. And we start to identify, we start to identify with the church leader and not the savior, not the king. Not Jesus. And oftentimes our response to church pain is to find identity in the person that we have been hurt by. I don't know who needs to hear that. I didn't plan on saying that. It wasn't written down in my notes. What happens is we identify with the person that hurt us, not the Jesus that saved us and healed us. Number three, our response when we are hurt by the church is to blame church leaders. And sometimes that's accurate because church leaders are human. Verse 21, keep reading. We had hoped that he was the Messiah. <laughs> he said, this man was a prophet. We had hoped that he was the Messiah. You know what he's saying? I was let down. We hope that he was Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This happened three days ago. And then the same one, by the way, how many, how many days did Jesus say he'd be in the tomb? Did he tell him? He told him three days. You would think that he would recognize him then. He doesn't. Verse 22, then some women from the group of the followers were at his tomb. So, they, so Cleopas goes back to the story earlier in the morning. The three women came to the tomb early this morning. They came back, came with an amazing report. They said that his body was missing. And, they had, and the angels had told them that Jesus was alive. No, the angels had told them the truth. The angels had told them that Jesus was alive. But they still didn't see it. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the woman had said. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people. How many know when Jesus called you foolish, you're really foolish? <laughs> you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Hear me. Hope without God's word it's foolish. Let me say it this way. Hope without God's word is empty. But Jesus called it foolish. The reason he called it foolish is because it's empty. Keep reading. Verse 26. 
Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer these things before entering glory? And then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses. That is a powerful sentence. Where did Jesus take them? Through the scriptures. It was the scriptures that they needed. Went through the, the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from the scriptures the things concerning himself. He took, and, and by the way, Luke wasn't written yet. Who, where, what, what scriptures did Jesus take them to? The Old Testament. Jesus is found on every page of the Old Testament. And when you open it up and you look for your identity in the Old Testament, you find him. Number four, responding to others' pain must be done in the word in word and deed. Responding to other people's pain and, and, and friends in our lives, it has to be done in word and in deed. You see, Jesus showed them the writings of Moses and the prophets, but you know what he also showed them? His legs as he walked seven miles. Seven miles. That's a long hike. He walked along with them. And I love verse 28. By the time they were nearing Emmaus, at the end of their journey, he, Jesus knows they're about to come to the end of their journey. He knows that they're from Emmaus. Jesus acted like he was going on. He acted like he was going to continue his hike. But the, the two people begged him, stay with us the night since it is getting late. And he went home with them. And our response, if our response is going to lead to healing, we must invite Jesus into our pain. We have to. And as they're nearing home, they didn't get into a rush. They didn't get, they didn't get to a, a rush where they just had to get there. They invited Jesus in. Some of you need to not only identify the pain that you've had, but you need to respond by inviting Jesus into it. Because he's the only one that can heal it. Last Sunday, I told you my story about how I went to four high schools in three years in three different states. I'll say it again for those of you that weren't here. Four high schools, three years, three different states. Illinois, Kentucky, Indiana, back to Illinois again. And uh, the reason we moved around so much was because my dad was a pastor. He was working for a church. And I, I talked about each, each move last Sunday and the pain that it caused me. And I talked about how when I told my parents that I was going to Bible college to be a pastor, my mom looked at me and she said, Adam, why in the world would you want to do that? After everything the church has put you through, why in the world would you do that? Last Sunday, I told you that this morning I would give you the, the, the truth that I learned in, in my senior year of college, like it, it took me five years, y'all, <laughs> to get to this truth. And I believe it was the one truth that God wanted me to discover that would thrust me into full time, like thrust me to the point where I would give, I would, I would sell everything in Illinois to move to Maine to start the Refuge Church. And here's what the truth was. It's big idea number two. When we see that the church is supposed to have the same identity that we're supposed to have, we see that we have something to offer the church and that the church has something to offer us. 
I'll say it again. When we see that the church is supposed to have the same identity that we're supposed to have, then we, we realize we have something to offer and that the church has something to offer me. The identity that both the church and the person has to have is Jesus. We have to find our identity in Jesus. And I don't, I don't think that you can be a believer, a follower of Jesus and fully identify him and hate God's church. Because Ephesians chapter 5 teaches us, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. What I learned to lead me to that truth was that in God's word in the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul calls the church the body of Christ. A body is, what is a body? A body is a physical representation of someone. This is my body. This is the physical representation of Adam Harold. It's all I have. I'm sorry. It's it. I'm working on it, but it's it. It's my physical representation. It represents me. And the reason the church is the body of Christ is because it is the physical representation of Jesus to this world. The reason, the reason it's the physical representation of Jesus is because it is filled with people who identify with Jesus. And when you realize that, <laughs> You realize you, ha you have something to offer it, but it also has something to offer you. Stand to your feet. I want to pray with you. I was talking to someone after church last week, and uh, they said to me, uh, you know, you always ask us if we're, if we're there or if we're paying attention because of the look on our face when you're, when you're preaching. And I just want you to know that sometimes it's just like a, a fire hydrant, we're just trying to swallow all the water because you're just given so much. God's word is true. In it are the truths of this life that when you discover them, it is like a treasure chest. Treasure chest. Speak slowly sometimes, Adam. And when you discover the treasure of God's word, that's when you come to life. Some of you here this morning, and you haven't quite discovered the way God wants you to live. Again, we say live, and we think performance. Stop trying to be perfect. You can't. But you can put your faith in Jesus who by grace through faith saves you. It's not of yourself. If it was about you, you'd go around and you boast about it, Paul says. You go around and you tell everybody, look what I did. That's what I would do. Look what I did. I, I saved myself. No, you didn't. It had nothing to do with you. And it had everything to do with Jesus who died on the cross so that you could identify with him. How many of this morning would say that it's time that you identify with Jesus? Bow your heads, close your eyes if you would. If we could get the lights in the back, that'd be great. I just want a, a, a sacred moment. My, my friend Dave and my friend Megan is up here. They would love to pray with you, to help you identify with Jesus. But how many say, Pastor Adam, I've never given Jesus my heart. And I want to do that today. Is there anybody in the quietness, the darkness of this room? I could probably hardly see your hand. But would you, would you as bravely as you could, would you say, Pastor Adam, that's me. I want to I give my heart to Jesus today. I need to give my heart to him.
I don't understand it all. I don't, but I know that, that he needs me and I need him. On the count of three, I've never, I've, I've never done it this way in the, in the, at the refuge, but I'm gonna do it this morning. On the count of three, I want everyone that believes that, 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 that says, Pastor Adam, that's me. I need to give Jesus my heart today. I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand right now. Thank you. Holy cow, I need to start counting more often. Hands everywhere. If you have your hand in the air. I want you to say the, your, this prayer with me. It's not the words that are magical, but it's the belief. The Bible says that if you confess with your heart, confess with your mouth and believe with your heart, you're saved. If you raise your hand, would you say this prayer with me? Say, God, I know I need you. Come into my life by the blood that was shed on the cross for my sins and forgive me and help me to identify with Jesus. Help me to live for you. I give you my life the best way I can because Jesus came out of the tomb and he lives today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God is good, and he give him some love? Come on, come on, he's better than that. We're going to sing one more song and then we'll be dismissed.